Computer, initialize Holosuite. Welcome to another episode of The Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. I am one of your hosts, Perry. And I'm your host, David. Tonight we're talking about Season 4, Episode 9, The Sword of Kalis. Before we continue, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube as The Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. That is correct, and as I say every single week, and we'll probably continue to say every single week, you should find us and follow us because we are a great time. Uh, you're going to learn a lot, you're going to have a lot of fun, hopefully, and um, just you know, get to hang out with some pretty cool people, I think. Um <laughs> But yeah, you can find us anywhere that you listen to podcasts, and of course, you can find us uh, on the various social media platforms. I have totally given up on the Twitter thing. I don't know what's happened. Um, I've I've asked for support. I've asked for information, so forth and so on, and no one really seems to understand what has occurred. So it's just like, I can log in on my personal Twitter account, and I can see the fire cave account and I can see that everything is still there, but it just won't give me access. So, um, until that gets fixed until the greater higher ups in the Twitterverse decide that, Oh yes, this, this is okay. We're just going to, you know, leave that alone for now. And anything that we need to do through Twitter, I guess I'll just do through my, um, personal account for a while. I don't mind because pretty much all that my personal account is these days is Star Trek anyway. So um, it's not going to be that big of a stretch for me to have to, you know, just do things <laughs> there. So, right. so yeah. Um, but yeah, if you were following along, I apologize for there not being any updates on Twitter or whatever. But you can still find us on Facebook and, you know, stuff on YouTube is going to be changing soon as well. So um, a lot of different ways that you can be a I part. guess I'll have to take the Twitter part out of my intro, the you can find us on Twitter, or Facebook, Twitter. Yeah, I'm yeah. Not say Facebook. Tough, At least so. for now. When when we get it back up and running, we'll we'll return to that. Um, but yes, we are here to talk about uh, the Sword of Kaelas, both the episode and the item itself, mm-hmm. and um, kind of give you a little bit of back lore on not just you know uh, the sword itself, but on Klingon history and some of the characters, and there's a lot of other things that really crop up in this episode, which give us like a kind of a deep dive on Klingons that we haven't had before, really. And um, it's kind of one of the things about Deep Space Nine that I also enjoyed so much is that we do get into Klingon stuff. So um, we're going to get to all that, of course. But before we do that, David, I have to ask, how was your week? Uh, It was okay. uh, We're ramping up for one of the bigger sales of the year, you know, being Memorial Day in the mattress industry. And uh, a lot of changes going on. Like Tempur-Pedic is having a whole bunch of changes, you know, new beds coming in. And uh, today, man, today was just one of those days where you're like, it's just a day, you know. Um, had to stay a little late. That's actually why we're on a little late tonight is because I had to stay late at work because someone came in and uh, kept me a little past our normal closing, which it's not the end of the world, but... You know, I, I would appreciate customers who are a little more sensitive to the fact that I've been there for 10 hours 
If you come in at 7.35 and keep me past 8, I've been there for more than 10 hours. So, But anyway, um, I had this one customer, man, who I've, I've – he's been in the store before, but he is the only person I've ever met who has such long pauses in between talking. Like he can't formulate the end of his thought, so he just says, um, a lot, and then just starts shrugging as if I'm supposed to follow along with his thought process. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what you're thinking. Like, you got to keep talking. And it's like you're in there and you're trying to help someone. And and it's like, I I don't know what this conversation is I'm supposed to be having with you because you're not completing your sentences. Um, But anyway, other than that, it's been fine. The new Legend of Zelda game came out literally like technically – yesterday but it came out like thursday night so playing that that's been fun one of my co-workers made me play the previous uh legend of zelda game i never played legend of zelda before it just wasn't my, my i never i never played it either i've seen game. it but i've never played it yeah yeah and it's the the current ones are open world games mm-hmm. so you have a lot of space to explore which is a lot of fun the games are fairly well designed um so played that a lot at work today um, and yesterday, uh, when I wasn't helping people out, so that's been fun. So yeah, how about you? What's going on with you? Well, no, no Zelda. Um, but as I had told you before, <laughs> I had started playing um, the Mass Effect game. They just they did a re-release, or yeah, where they you know remastered a bunch of stuff, and then you could get the get all the games one, two, and three in the Legendary Edition. So um, through some you know, computer trickery, I guess. I ended up getting the game for free, the Legendary Edition, so I have all three of them <laughs> for free. Um, so, yes, I was definitely uh, enjoying that and playing it. And then um, nice. um, I was looking into Red Dead Redemption as well. Um, I never played that mm-hmm. game, but um, I was mm-hmm. a big fan of a lot of other Rockstar games, like in particular mm-hmm. um, the Grand Theft Auto series. And um, I, for some reason, I just missed uh, Red Dead Redemption, and then when part when the second game came out, part two came out, I had seen other people playing it and um, had gotten in- interested through that, but now I wanted to go back right. and try and play it myself, and so I haven't done it yet. I haven't made any purchases or anything like that yet, but um, I'm right. probably going to do that soon. Um, also been gotcha. reading the H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, getting into that nice. a bit, and um, while the text can be a bit heavy, you know, um, they're great stories. Uh, we'll get into more of that later, I'm sure. But um, <laughs> it's been it's been really great. But this day, today in particular, has been wild. It started late last night yeah. with the thunderstorms, and the, I swear that there must have been a lightning strike like directly outside my window. Um, early this morning, it was loud. It shook the place. It was awful and of course all of my power went out so then you know things started to come back on and i'm doing the whole you know checks and making sure everything's you know working and of course like nothing's working like i have power but like certain things are just completely fried like um the new led lights that i bought like a month ago they're they're now dead so i'm i'm upset about that so i'm gonna have to get those my Adjustable base on my bed apparently is dead. I may be able to fix that. I was reading through the manual. There seems to be uh, kind of a, a there's a way to reset it, but it was rather complicated. And plus, there's just me, so having to like lift the bed and get under there and do everything. As we both know, those adjustable bases are not light. 
So, um, yeah, no. doing that by myself has was is going to be difficult. So um, I'll probably save that for tomorrow because first thing this morning, I had to go and get a new um, uh, modem and router and everything else because all of that got fried. And I need to have it so that, one, we could do our show tonight, but also so I can work because I work from home. And without Internet, there is nothing. So um, wow. had to go get that replaced, and then I found out that the um, the Ethernet uh, what was the term for it? Cable. Not the cable, but the actual port where it plugs into the where the cable actually plugs into the computer on my not on my work computer, but on my personal computer, completely fried. So I'm gonna have to have that replaced. But I had well, at least the computer itself. Still yes, works. the computer itself still works. Um, I had long ago got a little Bluetooth adapter so that I could, you know, be wireless even on my desktop computer. So that was fried as well. So I had to get a new one of those today. Um, so that was a lot easier to fix than the actual ethernet port. They were like, yeah, we're gonna have to take this off and get in there and do all this stuff. And I was like, look, I don't have time for any of that. So just give me what I can get so that I can be online for now. And then we'll come back and we'll, we'll do all that other stuff. So there was that. And then um, what else? There was something else that happened I'm forgetting because there were just it was just a list of things that just kept happening. Every time I turned around, something else was broken, not functioning, burnt out because of the lightning from this morning. So that's been my whole day has just been running around trying to um, replace things and fix things and everything else. And um also preparing for Mother's Day, you know, that's tomorrow. So we're trying to do, um, trying to do some things for my mother who, you know, I I think I've talked about her before on the show, but, um, you know, my mother has recently gone blind. And so trying to figure out things to do for her that don't require her to necessarily see everything has been interesting because you know all of our thoughts at first for gifts was always oh let's get her this monogram thing or let's do this or this you know here's this book or here's what like stuff like that and it's like why like she can't she's not i mean i'm sure she would appreciate it but at the same time she wouldn't really enjoy it so what we have decided to do is kind of do a um you know trip down memory lane via the other senses right so we've got her favorite dessert from when she was little that her father used to make we got um a uh she's always talked about like crush you know what's that crushed velvet you know so we got a robe that's made out of that's got crushed velvet on the inside so that will feel nice um right Favorite drinks, favorite foods, favorite smells, perfumes. Her, we found, uh, you know, th- just things along that nature. We just got a big right. bunch of that together, and my sister and I are basically right. just going to kind of take her through it while also playing music from like different stages in her life. So, like here's songs when you were a kid, here's your teenager stuff, here's early adulthood, and and so forth. It is kind of having nice. a whole thing That's geared great. around that. So. Hopefully she enjoys it. Hopefully it doesn't like, you know, I I could see this going the other way as well, but um, I'm hoping not. I'm hoping that the thought process behind it will, um, will carry us quite far. So, but yeah, so that has been um, everything for me. And um, I will of course update you and let you know if that works out or not. 
I did uh, forget to mention I started season two of Altered Carbon okay. with Anthony Anthony Mackie. So far, it's fine. Um, I'm only three ish episodes in, so it's not enough to like give a verdict on the season yet. Um, I will say it feels smaller. It feels like the sets they're using aren't as big. Like the the scope of the story seems smaller because uh, he's not on Earth anymore. And the first season he's on Earth. Second season he's not. He's on like a colonized planet, but it's smaller than Earth, and you can kind of feel it. And it doesn't feel quite right, do you think, Frank? But it's almost. But it's not like that's a bad thing necessarily. It's just like it, it's a different place, and it feels different. Um, but so far, Anthony Mackie is doing fairly good having to come in as you know the main character for season two you know the main character can shift mm-hmm. bodies so that's the premise so it's the same character from season one he's just now in anthony mackie's enhanced body yeah, super, the super soldier <laughs> right yeah um, exactly exactly yeah he's got guns now that will like if he puts his hands out they'll like come to his hands which is pretty cool mm-hmm. um but yeah, and then um, the other thing is I just have a fun thing I like to do when new movies come out that I'm looking forward to. Um, I love always watching Christopher Nolan's series of movies, like all of them from his like be- from beginning to like whatever is current, and then like his new movie Oppenheimer comes out, so I plan on watching all of those at some point. But for the moment, what I'm going to do is every Sunday night I'm planning on trying to watch one Mission Impossible movie every week until the new one comes out. Okay, so, yeah. you know, I had said that I wanted to do something similar, but for me it was, I just wanted to watch them all. Like, I didn't have a once-a-week thing. It was like, I'm just going to pick a day sometime before the new one oh, comes out, right, out? and just, like, watch them right before the new one comes out, and then just then right. just be ready. But um, like Well, that's kind of what I plan on do for, for Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer, okay. is just, like, try to watch as many Christopher Nolan movies as I can get done before the movie comes out. And if I can't get them all done, maybe I'll just pick the ones I want to watch but for Mission Impossible if I do one a week then it's like yeah. you know you get a constant steady dose um, because apparently the plot of the new movie coming out like ties all the way back to the first See, movie like one of the bad it's been so long since I've even seen the first movie like it's it's that's yeah. what I'm looking forward to because when they announced that there was going to be another one I, I sat and just thought about it and I was like you know I mean seriously it was you know what 20 years ago 30. Oh, no, I man, it was 90s. Yeah, I was going to say 30 years ago. It was ago. 90s. It was like t- at least 25. Oh, man. I mean, let me put it this way. Tom Cruise was in his early 30s when they made that movie, and he's like a little over 60 now, I think. Like, it's at least 25 this yeah. year. Yeah, so. so. Okay. Yeah. And with my. That classic scene of him dangling on the floor off the. They're going to have to bring that back. The They're going to have to bring that back. Ah. Uh, so. Oh, they yeah. have to. I think in every movie they've had him do it, except the last one. I don't think they had him do that in the last know. one. So, I'm like... Well, we'll see. Can Tom Cruise still do it at 60-something years old? Tune in yeah. to Mission Impossible... What is it? Six? Seven? Uh, seven. seven. Yeah. This will be the seventh wow. one. Dead Reckoning Part oh, One. Part One. It's a two-part. Okay. So, so, they already know. know. <laughs> All right. Well... Yeah. Well, we're not here to talk about Tom Cruise and the... Um, odd way that he kind of looks the same um you know it, the man doesn't age you know. turns out the blood of virgins is very mm. potent in tpu yeah young. it's the fat checks he's writing to those high-priced surgeons that's what it really is but uh yes yeah. not here to talk about any of that we are here to talk about kalos his magic sword and core dahar master for star trek mm. deep space nine so but i'm already gonna say it 
you're going to be recapping. I was going to say, I'm going to do this one. Uh, yes, yes, it is. Yeah, go for it. Now, go for it. I had no, no, no hesitation. <laughs> yes, yeah, <go> because ahead. <laughs> it also features one of my also you know, all-time favorite characters, Worf. And, um, you know, I, I when I realized this episode was coming up, I, I at first wasn't going to watch it again. But then I was like, no, nah, we've got to. I've just got to see it again. And I was promptly rewarded. There's some great stuff in here. So anyway, yeah, just yeah. quickly, I just want to say I read on Wikipedia before we got started. This is the first episode that they wrote when they realized that Michael Dorn as Worf was going to be joining the show. So this is the first episode since the season started, other than the beginning of the season, where he's actually featured heavily, yes. as opposed to uh, just a side character. So I, I loved. So, I yeah, love. Okay, so I, we're going to get to that too. Okay, real quick recap yeah. here. This episode is, starts off with Kor at Quark's, and he is telling this great story about him and Kang and Kovalt, who you should remember from a early episode in, what was that, season two, I think? Two. Yes, where Jadzia meets up with those three and goes off to kill the albino, where, of course... Kang and Koloth died, and Kor was our sole survivor. So now he's back, he's regaling everybody with tails and corks, and he, you know, after doing all that, you know, we see Worf kind of sitting off to the side, not being a part of the festivities, and um, eventually they get around to meeting thanks to Jadzia, and Kor reveals the real reason that he's here. He is on a quest to find the most famous Klingon artifact ever, the Sword of Kalos, the Batleth of Kalos. And he is convinced that he can do this because some Vulcans who were doing a archaeological dig on the other side of the wormhole found this shroud that apparently the um, Batleth had been wrapped in at one time. Jadzia does her science thing, is able to determine that, yes, this shroud did contain at some point a um, Batleth that was stained with the blood of a Klingon and the blood of the ancient Klingon enemy, the Herc. Again, we'll be back to them and um is made from the necessary materials that would have been around 1400 years ago which is when kales was supposedly stomping through the universe so now they're on their quest they convince cisco to give them the rio grande the shuttlecraft so that they can go and um investigate they find the ruins, the, they get through the magical force field that apparently has been in operation for several centuries, and no one has bothered to take it down. Um, they find the secret room, the room's been ransacked, they find another secret room inside the secret room, and there it is, the Sword of Kalis. They're, of course, struck with all the awe and majesty of the sword. They take it, and then they are immediately set upon by Duras, who I forgot had sent a Lethian, again, another character, or creature, anyway, alien, not creature, <laughs> alien that he that we had seen earlier on in another episode where Dr. Bashir was having some memory issues, and we find out that right. the Lethians have the ability to basically strip your mind of whatever they want. And so early on in the episode, we had seen the Lethian do this to a drunken core, and he had gotten the information from him which allowed Duras and company to follow them to the ancient Herc site. And they were set upon by Duras, and it's Duras Jr., Taral. And um, it's revealed that this is the same Klingon boy who, years ago, when Worf had had an opportunity to kill him, Worf had decided not to because at the time, Taral was like nine or ten years old. And he was just like, I'm not going to kill a child. Um, right. 
obviously this has come back to bite him in the butt here because now Terrell is just like the rest of the Duras family. He's terrible and um, tries to steal it from him. They fight. Our heroes get away. They seemingly trap Terrell and his group behind the force field, um, but eventually they are able to escape and uh, follow Jadzia, Kor, and Worf. But meanwhile, while this is going on, our hero trio is having several different difficulties. You know, Kor has become convinced that he should be the only one who should have the sword and that Worf is not a true Klingon because he didn't kill Terrell way back when he had the opportunity. They are sowing the seeds of distrust between the two of them. So it's gone from hero worship and admiration to this weird, they're plotting against each other. Um, bit. We also find out a lot about Worf and his, you know, kind of personal backstory, which oddly it's weird that it's, at one point you feel like you know a lot about Worf, but then when you're listening to him talk about like his experiences growing up and, you know, being a, a Klingon in a Vulcan community and then finally go into a Klingon community and not being accepted there and all of these things, it makes you realize there's a lot about him you don't know and you start to feel a little, you know, a little sad for him and realizing how lonely and isolated he's always felt all of his life so now but Worf kind of gets into his own little bit of megalomania there and starts thinking he should be the one to not only have the sword but also lead the Klingon people Um, there's another big fight they end up beating up uh, Duras' people some more but Worf and uh, Kor start to fight as well Worf puts up a hell of a fight for a man who's been stabbed and only has one good arm um, I was quite impressed with the fact that he was able to lift Core off of his feet and pin him up against the wall at one point. Right. Before Jadzia shoots them both with a phaser, and then they beam up to the ship, and then they decide that while it may have been in their destiny to find the sword of Kalos, they it was not in their destiny to keep it, and they set it on a platform, and they beam it into space, where it could, as they say, float for another thousand years before it's found by the true people who were destined to find it. However, if you notice when it's floating, there apparently is a star pretty close by, so I'm confident in saying that thing burned up somewhere. Not too far from wherever it is, they beamed it. That was just my thought when I when I saw that. But whatever, maybe I mean it's the magical sword of Kayla, so maybe it survives. But Star Trek Discovery. Jones there you go. You know what? I had the same thought when I watched this. I was like, you know, they said a thousand years. Discovery jumped ahead a thousand years. Wouldn't it be funny if like they found the sword of Kayla floating around somewhere before the show ends? Yeah. But whatever. <laughs> Um, but yes, that is essentially the episode. We are going to get into a lot of different things here, um, of course. Um, but before I ask David for first impressions, there's a little bit of housekeeping I wanted to do. Um, last week with Little Green Men, I had said that um, with that little line, piano playing Democrat, that was the first time that a president had been mentioned on Star Trek. That is actually not true. Um, the original series actually had an episode that featured Abraham Lincoln, uh, a full-fleshed version of Abraham Lincoln, which ultimately then turned out to later on be a uh, alien manipulation. But if you just want to go with, <laughs> if you want to go with the whole mentioning. the mentioning of a president, you, then they were first. So how about for the the time frame of the shows when they were coming out in the nineties, eighties, and nineties? That was the first time. Even on TNG, they hadn't mentioned the president or something. Is that? 
I, I mean, we could. I guess we could do that. I guess we could. We could do that. You know. But yeah, I just wanted to clarify that I'm aware before people. You know, the actually that's not the, before any of that happens. I'm aware. I had just forgotten, and then I was thinking about it and realized I had forgotten about Abraham Lincoln um, being on the original series. So wanted to clear that up. But that's it. Um, now, back to you, David, and first time watching this fantastic Worf-centric episode. What what did you think? Like when it was when it, when the episode was done, what did you think of this one? Well, I'm going to jump to the end at first because that's the th- thought that stands out in my head the most. Um, I feel like the conflict resolution of we realize together that we can't handle the division of the sword it's too much of a temptation therefore we're going to beam it into space i feel like that conclusion came too quickly it came during a commercial break we had i was again i was watching the clock because i you know got the commercial breaks coming up i'm cooking dinner i'm like turning off the ads while they play so like i don't have to listen to them and i'm watching the time and like we got this major conflict with wharf and kang I'm sorry, Kang, not Kang. Um, is it Kang? Kor. Not Kang. We're dealing with Kor. Kor. Kang and Koloth are dead. Kor. Yes, I'm sorry. When Kor is held up by um, Worf, and then Jadzia shoots both of them, and then she turns to the Duras boy or whatever uh, and says, okay, about that jamming signal keeping us from getting to our ship, and then a commercial break. And then we come back, and Worf and, and Kor are, are in agreement about beaming it back or beaming it away and i i find that conclusion unsatisfying because i'm like okay how did y'all agree to that i mean did jadzia beat it into you during the commercial break i didn't see that resolution so i feel like yeah the episode was fun and and great and there was conflict and you got you got the full-on klingon mentality going on you know what what does honor mean what does trade what does it mean to be a traitor um so you got all of that great stuff but I'm frustrated they, they didn't end it as well as I wish they had. Um, they resolved it off screen. Um, again, another instance where maybe a two-parter would have been good, but oh well. Um, so yeah, uh, but a lot of the Klingon stuff, learning about Worf, as you mentioned, that's good stuff. Um, again, if I think I've already said it. The thing that I'm most surprised that Star Trek has ever done, for me as a as a viewer is make me like the Klingons and root for them okay. and, and, and enjoy them. They are an enjoyable race. I did not expect that when I first started this show. I thought the Klingons were going to be this weird, off-putting. Yeah. But it's not true. They are fascinating as a, as a species, as a culture uh, in this sci-fi universe. And this is another example of it. Um, how is Kang... Core. Not Kang. Core to hire master. How is Core? How is Core on Deep Space Nine when you have the breakdown of relationship between the Klingons and the Federation? Um, he's just there. Okay, fine. Because, you know, not, not every. So basically, just to give you a little uh, aside there, basically he has attained a status that will allow him to pretty much do whatever he wants. He right. is oh, he is Tahar Master Core, which that right. rank has not just it's not a it's not necessarily a a full on military rank, even though it does have military privileges, because pretty much everything the Klingons do has some kind of military tradition to it. 
but it's also a societal rank for him as well. So when you've achieved that status, yeah, you pretty much can do whatever you want. It also explains why the other two, when they were alive, Kang and Koloth, could just appear places and do stuff and go off on missions and have ships and and whatever else. And no one questioned it because they had basically done everything and lived through everything and they were frightening in their own right, you know? So, yeah. Right. And what's great about that scene when you first see him in this episode is that he's you know being braggadocious about past adventures, and it becomes very clear early on that he is way over exaggerating certain features, and that comes up throughout the episode, in particular when they catch the rat-like thing to eat food. He they start making embellishments. They turn yes, they turn this They're rat embellishments into a fire-breathing of, yeah. dragon. By the time they they retell and we see it. how much that really fun. kind of upset Worf, who. Earlier exactly had been so yes. in awe of Core and his story, and now he's right. like, "Oh, you just you just lie." So that's what it, that's what it is. You just lie about everything, right? Yeah, right. And um, what's great about that is that Worf has always been our our vision into Klingon culture, and he gives us a very stark version of yes. Klingon culture. Yes, and he then does. Here comes. Uh, core and he's giving us a very different but you can understandably is an understandably different version of Klingon culture mm. and Worf has always been the oddball out like whenever you've met other Klingons Worf is always a trying because he grew outside of Klingon society he is always trying to go after the ideal version of what very Klingon true. is because he doesn't he didn't grow up in Klingon culture and therefore isn't like in 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 it is not jaded to it he has to prove himself to himself and to others that he's a klingon and so he's always trying to obtain to a really high standard of what it means to be a klingon like a like and a so, very distilled purified honor code like he's taken these right. hardcore tenets of the klingon code and he strictly adheres to them and whereas everybody right. else looks at them you know they're more like guidelines as they say for the other guy, like, yeah, more like guidelines to the line. to the yes, Klingons. To other Klingons, they're yes. more like guidelines. Whereas to Worf, this is the end all they be are. all, and um, yeah, Bible, and he yeah. He's, he he's he doesn't like people who tend to deviate too far from some things, which is interesting considering that if you really think about it, Worf has his moments where he kind of is more flexible than others, and that will come up later on in other episodes of the show. We'll see it, but I mean, but. Yes, like essentially though. But in some way, that's my yeah. point. Is like other other Klingons can have some bend to their rule breaking. They can treat the rules with some flexibility. But Worf <clears throat> is the one who has to treat the rules as you know they are the rules. They are strict. They are straight. They don't bend, and uh, that's why he gets upset with Kor as someone who seems to be bending the rules. And- He's he was all about we're gonna take the sword of Kalis to the Emperor and reunite the, the the Klingons and we're gonna you know bring about a new glory days and then oh no actually I don't like the Emperor I think the Emperor is just a yeah. figurehead I've been ta- talking big talk this whole time I actually want it the question I have is it seemed like the show was trying to indicate like I couldn't well. We, it seemed like the sword of Kalis was it almost felt like it was trying like like there was like it was having a literal an effect on mm. them but then it also wasn't it was just the two of them and their yeah i see what you're saying getting yeah. 
like their their imaginations got the better yeah. of them. So part of me was thinking, okay, is this the problem of the sword? Like the sword does this to everybody. Like I thought maybe the twist was gonna be that the fall of that alien race that stole the sword in the first place, like they fell because the sword somehow caused them to get into infighting and that collapsed their empire because the sword was always a symbol of their power and you know conquering other nations blah 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 and then they collapse and so that's the problem of the sword is only a great you know spiritual leader like Kalis is able to master the power of the sword but then that's not what it is it's just like the end of the episode is just like no it's just that you and I Worf and Kor you and I Worf and Kor are uh, unable to handle the just the emotional yeah weight of 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 having. I always took it as uh, I always took it as certainly that the latter there what you're saying yes. that it was uh yes. this is a in, intensely you know sacred artifact you know and it's the power in, imbued in the artifact through their 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 belief system that is making them view it a certain way and so yeah right. it has no more power or ability than any other Batleth, but because it was Kaleth's Batleth, the mythical right. man himself, you know, who who they right. built everything on. Worf, now, as they said, Worf, Worf have... you know, there is the clone of Kaleth. He is, there is a clone of Kaleth that's running around. They made him the emperor, you know, so we know that the, there was at one point a real Kaleth. Kaleth did exist. He was a Klingon man, but did he do the things that, you know, the stories have said that he did? Probably not, especially if Core is any indication. We know that there's a lot that to do big. with embellishments. Um, yes. You know, did he... Did, I'm, certain things I'm going to say, yes, he probably absolutely did. Did he kill Molar? Yeah, probably. Because Klingons kill people. That's there's their thing. Right. Did he kill him? Yes. Did he carve through the mountains of the... Whatever that was that they said at the beginning? No. Probably not. Okay, I don't think he took a, a sword and did it now. And even the creation myth of the of the of the Batleth is uh, something that you know. You, obviously, we know he didn't do in the story that they tell. Basically, Kaleth walked all the way up to the mountain with the giant volcano, and there was a river of lava pouring down, and he cut off a long lock of his hair, plunged it into the fiery pits of lava, and twisted and moved it all around until he pulled it out, and there it was, the first Batleth. Did he really stick his hands in lava and turn his hair into metal? No, he didn't do that. No. <laughs> but is it possible he walked up to a mountain and he scooped up some of the lava and then later used that in the distillation process to make a the first Batleth? Yes, that is more likely. That's more logical. Yes. So I will say that there's probably elements of that. And, and maybe in the process of him making the Batleth, you know, he cut himself a few times so his blood drips onto the steel. Maybe he, you know, his hair got burned because he's dealing with hot stuff and Klingons have long hair. And maybe some of his hair burned. And so that got in there. And then that's the story. The blood, sweat, and hair of Kaelas was forged into, <laughs> in right, sword, were forged yeah. into the first sword of, of Kaelas. You know, yeah. So stuff like right. that. You know, I, I think that there's that's kind of how you have to look at a lot of this stuff. But then it's been built up over the years, just like we do a lot of myths and stuff like that in in human history. Right. We do the same thing. Yeah, yeah. George Washington chopping down a cherry tree when he was yeah, you know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> you know, so yeah. yeah. Um, and speaking of no, oh, go, go ahead, ahead. no, go, go, go. 
I was gonna, about the sword, like um, the way they tr each of them, Gwarf and Kor, treat the sword is very important because there's that again that scene where they're embellishing the rat turning into a dragon, and Kor uh, uh, goes to use the the blade to pierce a piece of meat to, to eat it. You know, this is the sacred or the, the, the legendary sword and Worf is offended that like he would be using it in such a casual mm -hmm. way. And then Kor comes back saying, this was a sword. It was used. It, it was, was a, a tool, tool. right? Kalos himself yeah, a, used it to plow fields and to kill yes. animals and, and do all this stuff with yeah, it. He's like, it's, yeah. And, he's, and it's not meant to be in a museum like those aliens yeah. treated it. You know, it's meant to be used. Worf, Worf wants to put it up on a pedestal. He even like propped it up next to the fire so that it could glint right. in the light. And Cor was like, yeah. "Well, would you look at him? It just, it's just so <laughs> yeah. such a jerk in that moment." But it was. Right. But I mean, he's he's right though. Like, if you are right. to believe all the stuff about Kalos, then obviously the sword was his. It wasn't just his weapon. It was his tool. He used it to do a lot of things. So in that moment, I felt like I agreed with Cor. It's it's a right. tool. It's meant to be utilized, not idolized. And Worf was yeah. definitely engaging in some hardcore idolatry here um, throughout this episode. Well, what's funny about that, I get it. Part of it, though, is like that is the first real indication we have that Kor wants the blade for himself because he's using it. He's using it in a personal manner. Mm -hmm. He's personally eating off of it. Um, only someone, I mean, if it's your Batleth, do with it what you want, you know, it, it doesn't matter if it's your, it's Kalos's previously or not, if you own it now, do with it what you want. Um, and you're right, you know, Worf being all upset about it is proof that he's putting it on a pedestal, literally. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just, <laughs> it turns into a great example of the differences of, of thought between mm -hmm. the two of them. And I, if I have to say anything about, again, why I was frustrated that the, the episode just seemed to kind of end too quickly, is I did want a, a closer resolution between these two. I do want, as as Jadzia would, she's, she knows both mm -hmm. of them. She's known Core for... Uh, two well, lifetimes like years, now. Right? Two lifetimes now. Yeah. She's known Core, and, and now she's been working exactly. with War for, what, a at least yeah episodes. i was gonna say what maybe a, if, not even a full year yet and i know the future between Worf and hey her hey hey bit, hey so hey hey like... spoilers <laughs> i don't know any details Shut up, I David. Just know, like, there might be some other people thinking... who haven't watched this 30 year old show be quiet <laughs> all right well i was just thinking about that as i was watching it i was like this is the first time we're seeing them together in a real close light mm -hmm. let's see how that goes um i don't think any insight was really no. made there at this time but um but yeah so uh but my point is, is I, I do I had I wished that the two of them had been able to reconcile well, on some level. I, I'm, all I'm going to say on that is, um, you know, we're only in season four, so shut up. <laughs> only yeah. season four. Now, <laughs> so yeah, shut up. Anyway, um, <laughs> no, I meant I mean core. I know and, what you and, meant. Uh, and work. I know, and that's what I'm saying. Oh. We're oh, only in okay. season only four. Only season four. Only season four. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. All right. Um, so now I did want to switch gears a little bit and I wanted to talk, uh, talk histories because they give us a lot of histories of a lot of different things here that we, um, should really pay a lot of attention to. Um, there's, there's Worf's personal history that we get. We also have the history of the Klingon people with the Herc invasion a thousand years ago. We hear a little bit about that. And then we also should cover the history of the Duras family because they are a 
rather famous family in the Star Trek universe, and um, they keep popping up. And especially when you need like a bad Klingon, they're the Duras name. They've done a great job of being like those guys, right? The go-to's. So um, I'm going to do the Herc first because it's the quickest. It's it's basically covered here already. Um, the Herc invaded the Klingon homeworld a thousand years ago, basically destroyed, ransacked, and stole everything that they could. Um, as as they say here in the episode, anything they couldn't pillage, they burned or destroyed or whatever, right? And it became, it's, it, it's became synonymous, the word Herc became synonymous as outsider in the Klingon language. That's how uh, bad the situation was, how bad that, uh, that invasion was. Um, and obviously the Klingons lost during this. So, um, you know, the Klingons don't really talk much about their losses. You know, they had to have happened at some point. The Klingons can't just win everything, but the fact that an invading force was such a devastating impact on this culture that they became known that that word became outsider for them. I think that's pretty significant as well. Um, also, just the state of the Klingon Union at this point. Let's not forget that uh, we've seen a dissolution of the Federation Klingon uh, peace treaty. So we know that uh, you know tensions are high. Again, like you were pointing out, how does core how is core able to get around when Gowron, the Chancellor of the High Council, Council is like Federation is out basically. Right. Core is able to do it because he's a Dahar master, and as Cisco points out. Going on this quest and finding the sword of Kaelas could do a lot to uh, repair relations between the Federation and the Klingon Empire. So um, those things definitely to uh, keep in mind here. Um, Right. Now, is there anything that you wanted to know in particular before with uh, as we move into the Duras family? There's a lot about the Duras people. Well, I mean... I guess you'll be recapping all of the major events, so I don't need to say anything. So yeah, no, all right. go ahead. So as we know, in this episode, we see Taral Duras, which we saw him for the first time as a small kid, again, around 9 or 10 years old, in uh, The Next Generation, actually, with Lursa and Bator. And uh, turns out that basically Taral is the son of, what was his name? The other Duras brother that Worf kills. Um, uh, off the top of my head, I can't. Gosh, I, I, I can't. <laughs> I, they, they just always called them Duras. But anyway, as we know, Lursa and Bator were of the Duras family. They were raising their uh, nephew basically to take over for their brother who Worf killed. Worf killed this Duras uh, brother because he killed Kalar. Remember when? Uh, they were trying to uncover who was the traitor yes. that uh, mm. killed all the Klingons at Kittimer, and they tried to blame. I was so mad yes, about that. I loved Kayla. Oh, she She's was a great, great character. character. Yes, and when uh, you know, Worf took the discommendation to cover up for the Duras family dishonor, and then Kayla Kalar uncovered that plot, and then Duras killed her before um, she could reveal everything. So then Worf Worf went. Total Klingon badass on him, beamed over to the ship and stabbed him to death, and it was fantastic. I love that. Yeah. In fact, you know what? After this is over, I'm probably gonna go back and watch that episode because I'm in a <laughs> I'm in a very Worf Klingon mood. But there is another Duras that we 
have not been able to cover because we never got to really talk about the Duras uh, family before. So at this point, when we're watching this episode, Tarar would have been the last Duras. Because as we know, Lursa and Bator died in the Star Trek Generations movie. So he was the last one. And, you know, with his father being dead... Yeah, he, that was it was all on him to kind of restore the family. But there is another Duras that uh, if you didn't watch a certain other Star Trek show, you would never know about. And that show was, of course, Star Trek Enterprise. And that Duras, who would have been, I guess, grandfather or maybe great-grandfather, but considering how long Klingons live, he could he could have just been grandfather Duras. OG, the original Duras. Uh, Duras, he caused no end of trouble for um, Captain Archer until Archer finally killed him in the season four opener. Um, Archer blew up his ship. So um, wow. the Duras family. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> uh, I, I just don't like the Duras family at all. Like, that, like that's the thing. Like Star Trek has done a great job of making me hate this particular line of Klingons. Maybe because I like Worf so much, and I keep seeing other Klingons like mistreat him or try to manipulate him, and it always just makes right. me feel bad. Like again, there's something about yeah. Worf that I just I like, and I I don't know if I can say necessarily I identify with or whatever, but. Um, He's again that, like you said, he's an outsider kind of looking in. He's got this kind of distilled version of what it means to be Klingon. He's trying to aspire to be better than better than he is, and better than those that are, you know, the especially the negative ones around him, you know. But um, he never really seems to get his due until it's like way too late, and it just always makes me upset. And so to see like Core come in and you know, seem seemingly like embrace Worf. You know, they talk, they stay up late, they drink Uridian brandy together, they have this great bonding moment. And then to see him like right. trash Worf later on, I was just like, you know yeah. what? And Worf did yeah. the same. Worf did the same, yeah. That's what I mean. I, I yeah, I agree with you there. I'm like I'm sad this relationship this budding relationship broke down. Like I can understand it had tension. Give it tension. Give it a moment where they say a few words to each other. But by the end, I want instead of them just agreeing to like both do a thing and part ways. Nah, I want them to like, you know, reconcile. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Felt like they missed opportunity. Well, um, again, be quiet. We got more to come. <laughs> we got more to come. On this. Um, <laughs> okay, great, great. But uh, I did want to also talk about Worf's history here a bit. Like you know, he talks about growing up, and he's you know. Uh, as we know, he was an orphan. This was not by choice that he ended up with uh, humans raising him. You know, um, his parents were killed. He made it to, obviously, a great foster family to take in a Klingon child and raise him. And they tried their best to give him kind of the best of both worlds, best of humanity, and also um, letting him embrace his Klingon uh, heritage. And I mean, he even says in his episode, there was a time when he finally got to go back to the Klingon homeworld and he was with his cousins and stuff again and he thought that he was going to be embraced as a member of the family and instead they treated him like crap they treated him like an outsider he was too human for them he was too different I couldn't imagine a bigger disappointment for a a child you know because it's not like Worf was a baby and taken to human parents okay he was old enough that he had memories of his mother and father and 
um, had memories of like where he lived and where he grew up and stuff like that. You know, he knew these things. Um, and then all that was suddenly violently taken away from him. And then years later, when he gets a chance to kind of go back and potentially reconnect with some of these people, they, instead of looking at him as, okay, you know, again, he's been through a trauma, through a loss, they ridicule him. They tease him and they ostracize him. And he almost dies because of it. You know, like that's yeah. that's the other crazy part of it. Yeah, three days without food and water. Yeah, he almost dies because of this. So, yeah, really feel for the guy. And growing up and feeling like, you know, he had this destiny to be a part of something else, and to do something different. And, and maybe that's why he does treat the, uh, you know, the Klingon code with such um, austerity, you know, because for him, right. he was destined to do something great. And so he needed to adhere right. to a very strict, you know, worldview in order to make sure he could fulfill the destiny he had envisioned for himself right right yeah yeah it's a great it's an as you said earlier you like you feel like you know Worf, and then he reveals that he he thinks he had a vision of Kalis telling him that you're going to do something no other klingon has ever done before and he initially thought he, he thought for most of his life that that was him joining the federation and being loyal to the federation mm -hmm. and, and being the only Klingon on the Federation. But now he thinks that that means he's going to have the sword and do something with it. Yeah. And yeah, it, that's the, the egomania surrounding the sword. I mean, the, the fact that it seemed to come on so suddenly made me feel like, okay, is it the sword exerting some sort of power? Like, is Dax going to start falling prey to okay. it at some point? Or is she going to like realize what's happening? So bear with me on this. Cause here's what I think. All right. Going back to what you just pointed out, he had the vision of Kalis, who said he was going to do something he, that no Klingon has ever done, right? So right. now just keep in mind, he was young, he was starving, he was dehydrated, and he had this, he was right, and he had this yeah. vision, right? And the vision saves his life. Because of this vision, he becomes kind of like obsessed in a way with, with Klingon culture and with Kalis and with doing what he's got to do to kind of fulfill this destiny, right? So now, let's leap forward several years. He's gone through Starfleet Academy. He's had all kinds of other experiences, and he's been on both sides of Klingon popularity more times than anybody can count, you know? I mean, <laughs> seriously, he has. And so now we come, to, yeah. we come to this moment where once again, he feels like he's on the outs, right? And he is on the outs, you know, uh, Gowron has basically disowned him and stripped him of everything. Once again, right. he is now no, he has nothing but this belief to hold on to. Right. Okay. Here comes Dahar Master Core and lays out this journey, this quest. And for a person like that who believes so fully, so completely. To hear about something like that, you had to know that he was going to do everything he could to get involved with it. Even if it wasn't going to be successful. Just to be on a Klingon quest, right. that would have been everything to him. And then in that moment when they actually find the Sword of Kaelas, the man who appeared to him and saved his life in a vision to hold on to his very sword... 
it's impossible for like the more I think about it, the more I'm just like I don't understand how he could not have thought it was meant for him. He survived all this stuff, all these trials, the death of his mate, the you know the dissolution of his family, his titles, his lands, over and over again, given, taken, seized, you know, the multiple death attempts or death threats and all this stuff that he has made it through to come to this moment to hold on to the symbol of Klingon power and sovereignty and just this ability that it could come with to be one of his people again. Right. I I was like, I I understood completely when he was like, Kor's an old man. His time is over. Yeah. It's my time now. I was like, yes, it is, Worf. Get you some, man. Go for it. I was was on board. Yes, he sounded, yes, I will admit it. He sounded crazy. He had Gowron's crazy eyes there for a minute with a couple of, but I was on board. I wanted Worf to take yeah. it and say, screw the Emperor. I'm Chancellor now. And and lead. I want Worf to right. be the Chancellor. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely feel for Worf there. I agree. Uh, I, the only problem I had the whole time was like, how are they really going to prove this is the sword, though? I mean, it looks legit. Like, as soon as they show it, that thing looks like a badass bat. Well, remember. That is the bat, the battle of this bat. Yeah, it is. That is, that is the, uh, yeah. That, that. It's even got that middle And it's got the, and it's got the the weird, like, kind of curvy, you know, the waves to it and everything else. I was like, yeah, this one has seen some things. And it's got texture to it. It's got the Klingon symbol, which must have always been the reason they had the symbols, because it was originally Kalis' symbol or something. Um, I never realized that until it was on the Dalit. Um But yeah, it looks so good. But I'm gonna. Say, but but, I was always but Dax, Dax verifies that it is the sword. Remember, she's no. I'm not saying. I'm not saying that, like from Dax's point of view. I'm talking about like when you go to Galron, you're like, you got to submit because I got the sword. How does he not go like prove it? I don't believe that. Well, the of course they, they, of uh, course they would, and that was kind of what they were alluding to as you know what would happen if this made it back to Klingon society. There would be infighting, civil wars erupting. Some people who believe, some people who don't believe, so forth and so on. And as we saw when they were confronting other Klingons throughout, you know, trying to get away from Tural and his group, you know, it wasn't just let's run away from them. It often was let's turn and fight. We have the sword. Let's turn and fight. And I mean, yes, they won every fight, but did they win because of the sword or did they win because they were great fighters? You have a Tahar master. And then of course you have Worf, who is the baddest Klingon we've ever seen. And um, he's beating them left and right with one hand and a mechleth. I mean, yes, if he can take yeah. you with one hand and the mechleth, he can take you with Kaelas's sword. It's just yeah, uh, it's already hemorrhaging on the inside. Right, yeah. and he's still killing y'all. So what you 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 has you guys had one shot, and all you did was make him bleed a little. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. But obviously, I love this episode. Um, there's just uh, there's also a lot of great callbacks here. Little things like. The Lethian who tries to steal, who does steal mm-hmm. uh, Kor's Yeah, as memories. soon as he appeared on, on screen, I had to pause it. It's like, is that who I yeah. think it is? And I went and looked it up real quick. I was like, I'm not going to, I'm not crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then another uh, interesting callback is when they go into Cisco's office to try to convince him to give them the shuttlecraft. Do you remember what Cisco was doing in the office? He was shaving. He was shaving. That's weird. right. He was shaving with this little blue. 
you know, obviously Trekified uh, Shaver, right? But it's a great yeah. callback because it's the same thing that they used in the Next Generation episode where Jordy was shaving. And it's the same really? one. Okay. <laughs> right. Well, I was going to say, go sure. ahead. Yeah. Go ahead, David. <laughs> yeah. Also, oh, Why uh, is it okay. important that we bring up Jordy Le- LaForge? LeVar <laughs> Burton is the director of the That's episode. right. That's right. Yeah. And I have to yeah. imagine that and they that's... had a great time behind the scenes, you know. Him yeah. and, you know, Michael Dorn obviously haven't worked together for years, and then they get to go to this new set and hang out and, you know, work with other people and stuff before. And then yeah, you've got other, you know, again, the return of Core, played by John Kolakos, who has played Core forever, as we remarked when they brought them back uh, with Core, Kang, yeah. and Koloth. Those are like the original... Uh, the original Klingons from uh, right. the original series. Uh, when yeah. K- when Kirk was running around, he ran into all of them at some point or another. And so here he is back once again to, you know, kind of stir right. things up a bit. So um, love that he uh, came back. And he also, you know, John loved this episode. He talks about how much he just really enjoyed that they were finally kind of opening things up with the Klingons and, you know, giving them more to do. And he got to, you know, kind of, instead of just being like really stiff and, you know, stodgy and all that kind of stuff that he was making, you know, braggadocious statements and he's baiting Worf and they've got their little barbs going back and forth and stuff. He liked being that different kind of, you know, engaging combative person instead of always being like a warrior must do this and a warrior must do this, and like all that kind of stuff. So that was more right. that was more Kang. If you remember when the three Klingons were together, yes. that was more Kang. Kang yes. was very much the yeah. hardcore militaristic one. Core is more right. your um, playful, Brandious. right? Playful, yeah. uh, bragging. Definitely drinks yes. too much. Even even those previous he episodes, drinks too yeah. much. He eats too much. He's he's more fun. And then, of course, you had right. Koloth, who he was kind of neutral that new. way, but he was just more. Yeah. Very yeah. much the Three Musketeers. Yes. I mean, yes. I, I don't know if we mentioned that the first time, but yeah, they actually fit the Three Musketeer archetypes to a T with Dax as D'Artagnan, yes. um, the third or fourth Musketeer of the three. Um, I Man, I can't believe I didn't catch that. I don't know if I mentioned that. No, we didn't. That episode, we didn't, but, but that's that is, good. It's to a T. Yeah. That's ex- it's it's so obvious now that it like slaps me in the face. <laughs> and it, and, <laughs> yeah, exactly and even that, and, yeah, even that episode. Yeah, like <laughs> if you think about the episode where they go to hunt the albino, it makes perfect sense. That's a great yeah. setup for how they were kind of doing everything, and then you know they all had their kind of when when the chips were down, they all had their set. We're warriors marching off to our doom, kind of thing. But it's the yes. youthful Dax who's kind of like, well, let's be sly about it and lay traps and do tricks right. and do things yeah. that and kind of broke that yes. that mantra up a bit for them yeah right. man i'm i'm mad at myself that i i mean i i hope i remembered i noticed that during when we first watched it but the moment no. I, I didn't realize it till just no. now you didn't you didn't and bring I'm that like, up no it's to a t yeah. <laughs> it's the three musketeers to a t um wow okay but anyway yeah. um no, that's fine. That's what happens. That's one of the great things about this show. A lot of different things that we get to, you know, um, appreciate at different times. Well, I guess the question now is, like, did they intentionally do that? They were intentionally trying to invoke uh, the three I don't know. That's a, those three characters? That'd be a good question a for a deep archetype dive. that just, mm-hmm. yeah, is it just an archetype that just works so well that it, it managed to find its way into Star Trek? Or is it uh, a callback to 
I mean, it feels like a callback, but it also feels original. Like they did a good job of making it feel. Yeah, I would I would say that it was. It's probably one of more of those uh, situation of like like what you just did, where if you you've watched it now, you're kind of rethinking of it. You know, you can kind of see it now. I don't think it was intentionally set up to be that way, but I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm I'm going to look it up. I will <laughs> I will check. Uh, but no, I don't okay. think that it was necessarily intentional. It just kind of fit that very well. Um, yeah. Again, the archetype is probably just that yeah. that good. Archetypes pop back up of their own mm-hmm. accord without uh, having to be forced. So. And so, of course, yeah. as we were saying earlier, this is a great episode for the Klingons. We get a lot of past backstory stuff. We get a lot of wharf development, which is you know very important because you know while. Way of the Warrior, the first episode of season four, uh, kind of brought, not kind of, but did bring Worf into Deep Space Nine. As we've seen in the episodes that have since followed, it's been kind of difficult kind of getting Worf into the fold and really making him a part of the Deep Space Nine crew. He stands apart, even in this, which is interesting because that's kind of what the whole episode's been about. The fact that Worf is kind of off on his own a lot. He's kind of isolated. And so here we have this right. attempt to really get get away from that and bring him in. And um, right. it's interesting that I feel like it works considering the only cast member from Deep Space Nine that's truly involved is Dax. Um, Cisco's, you know, barely there. There's, you know, no one, yeah. no one else, none of the main characters from Deep Space Nine really play a significant role in the developing story that we have here. And we have no B story. This is an all A, all A. So there was nothing else going on basically. So, um, yeah, Cork has one line about, I don't like Klingons because their stories are all terrible and there's, everybody dies and no one makes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't think Bashir, O'Brien, Kira, Showed up at all. They today. they were there in the very beginning when Core is telling his story. Oh, that's they're right. all sitting they there. All they're all there. You know, Odo is there. Kira, Bashir, um, O'Brien, and you know, Odo and Kira are kind of like, yeah, his story is a bunch of BS. And well, I think O'Brien says to Odo, like, you well, know, no, this is true. no, Kira and Odo say that to Kira, Odo, and Bashir. They're like, oh, this is you no, know, I don't think any of this is true. He's exaggerating, whatever. And then right. O'Brien breaks all that up. He's like, who cares? He tells oh, it that's well. Right. He tells it yeah, well. That's, that's what's exactly important. Exactly what that scene was. Yeah, that's right. Yes. So yeah, he tells it well. Yeah, it makes you wonder about O'Brien. Like, hey, does O'Brien like a good yeah, yarn? I don't remember hearing. He doesn't give a lot of yarns himself, but <laughs> yeah, no, he. I mean, he just he's that. That's the folksy everyman charm of O'Brien. He loves a good yeah. story, man. And so uh, right. yeah. Well, I think that we've pretty much crossed off all the things we needed to for this particular episode. Um, any right. final thoughts? Yeah, uh, I mean, by the way you've spoken, it sounds like the Sword of Kalis has not yet made its return yet, so I'll, I guess no. I don't have to worry about worry about that at all. Um, it does not. It does not yeah. pop up again in Deep Space Nine. That's what I will gotcha. say. Oh. Okay then. <laughs> so awesome. Well, let me. Uh, uh, so the other thing. So not this year, but last year, I gave you a bat lift. Yes, you did, have. and it is. 
I'm just curious, how is it holding up? I actually, <laughs> I actually used it today because of all the things that were breaking down, and I wow. have other tools, but I was. That's I so needed to get to and, it, it's on your keychain. And it was um I took it off the keychain, but it was the perfect oh. size because it was flat. So I could wedge it right into this space and turn it. And because it was flat, but then it's got that curve on it, it fit perfectly to like round over <laughs> the bar so I could still make the turn. And I was like, you know what? This is a great save. Because I couldn't have gotten <laughs> that in there any other way. I couldn't I just couldn't have done it. And I was like, there's I was like, I, I said, I don't know. I said, this is whoever designed this. I'm my my again. I remember my my thought was, whomever designed this, I'm sure they thought this would just be like a little cool gimmicky toy, but it's come in handy. That weird shape to it was just enough to reach, and then the curve because you know it's the bat left. The curve was just enough to get over the bar yeah. each time. And I was like, that's yeah, this is great. Kalos came to me in a vision. And yeah, there you go. All right, birthday. all right. I think I think it's gotten late, David's. <laughs> I'm not, uh, Worf and Core uh, aren't the only ones getting a little egotistical. Oh man, <laughs> I tell you, the episodes like this though, they do make me want to like go out and buy like a bunch of Klingon stuff because I mean, like they just have like the best stuff. They, I, I yeah. love the Batleths. I love the Mechleths. You know the. Um, yeah. And then they've got the little uh, blade, the duck talk, I believe it's called, is the dagger that um, Kor pulls on Worf later on in the episode. And then uh, in Star Trek Picard, you know, older Worf has a new design on a Klingon sword called the um, Curleth, and that thing looks awesome. And if I yeah. can ever, one, figure out who makes them, and two, Hope like hell it's not too expensive, <laughs> which I'm sure it will be. But still, um, I will get one. I will proudly get one because right. it looks amazing. So um, for all of you Klingon aficionados out there, if you know someone who does, um, what, do you, what do you call it? Sword making, I guess. And, and they do it. I would love to uh, discuss an option, discuss a commission piece with them, I guess. See what we can work out. Well, I... I have to say, I was just quickly Amazon, or just quickly Googling and found on Amazon a, uh, I just researched Batliths, because I, I did this when I when I got that um, keychain tool for you, mm -hmm. but I don't remember finding this. There is a Sword of Kalis Batlith replica for 80 bucks on Amazon. Really? I don't know how legit this is. Yeah, I don't know if it's... Uh, it's I would have to good. take a look at it's it and see, because... Yeah, um, I, I I wouldn't I would. It's wouldn't got eighty five ratings to a four point three on Amazon, so four point three from eighty five people. So that's and it's called the Sword of Kalis, huh? Yeah, that's what it says. If you look it up, just Google it real quick. I am I'm Sword of Kalis Batleth. I'm just gonna go straight to Google because uh, oh, um, it's the very first one that pops up. Eighty dollars. Okay. Yeah. Um. It doesn't have the weathering look that the, yeah. the episode version did, but it has the symbol. You know, it's got that central spike that other other Batlas haven't had. Yeah. Um, so no, this is not um, not good. Not good enough. No. And I and I, I mean, say this because I own this already, and um, when ah, I purchased it, yeah, when small, I right? purchased it, I oh wait, this is only eight point five inches, so this is different. Um, hang on just a second, folks. 
<laughs> Didn't expect to be doing a review of online Amazon Batlith options. Oh, you're right. It is only eight and a half inches. Um, so yeah, that's not that's not real. Still fun though, I'm sure. Oh yeah, someone's holding it in their hands. Yeah, it looks too small in this yeah. picture here. So I should have been prepared for this, and I apologize for my brief absence for those of you who are watching us live as I stepped away. However, as I said, I purchased this. <laughs> as you can see, it's larger than the eight inches that um, that thing on there yeah. was, but. While it's supposed to be the same, like the sort of K-Less thing here, the, my major complaints about it is, one, um, it's painted to look sharp, okay? So those oh. these points are not like 100% like like real bladed edges here. That's just, that's like right. paint. That's like paint that's done here. Okay. So It's only pointy in that it comes to it. Right. Point, but not a sharp right. point. Right, it's not a sharp point, not naturally. Yeah, don't let the... Uh, coloring here for you that is like that's not going to cut anything ever right okay but i mean it's nice to look at and from afar like i had it hanging up on my wall and i mean i liked it enough to do that but when i had originally bought this thing i was definitely going for way more um realistic authentic so forth and that's when i learned you know lesson learned um for anything legit for something like this you can't buy it off Amazon. You're going to have to go somewhere else. So I have I have talked with some people who have um, purchased things like this before, and they've told me to uh, check out Etsy because apparently there's a lot of like metal workers and stuff who do custom jobs on Etsy. But I haven't. I really haven't gotten around to doing it. So um, who knows? Maybe Etsy is the place to go, and I can get a much better um, screen accurate weapon right you know um and you know now that we you know here in texas you know you can carry swords so uh what i need now is wharf's metal baldric and i need to be able to attach my klingon sword to the back and then i'll just i'll be set to walk down the street safely yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah not awesome. that many people are going to mess with me anyway but i'm just saying i mean all the more intimidating if you see me yeah. walking through the streets and klingon makeup and a giant sword on my back so, ah <laughs> uh, man, you make so many people stay. You need to go to a, a convention already. I, you know what? Like maybe that's what I'll do. Like uh, you know, I'm already doing the workout path, right? So at the end of the year, after a full year of doing all this stuff, just get all decked out, full cosplay, hundred percent, and just roll through a comic con and be like, "He's the best Klingon." That's him right there. Just just <laughs> give him the give him the award. I don't know, and and just like not talk the whole time. Just just stand right. in places. Be like, what's... Yeah, I think I would win. I think I would win. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, I do believe that we have uh, recapped everything we needed to about this episode and uh, Dash Extra. So, um, with that, I would just say, again, you should find us and follow us anywhere that you do your social medias. And you can listen to us anywhere that you listen to podcasts. I happen to do it on Spotify. Um, other than that... Until next week, guys, take care of yourselves. Thanks, guys.